Amen. It's already been a good day together, but we're not done. And uh, um, like Jessica was saying, you know, about the worship, Thomas, when, when you make an intentional choice to enter in, like God, God honors that. And I just felt like so many of you this morning was just like, I'm going in. And it was, it shifted the whole atmosphere. So I want to I want to tell you that it's like your worship matters to the community, and it it's carries over. It's not just like Sunday mornings, so we can have like chill bumps and all that kind of stuff. It's like it carries over momentum into the community throughout the week, and it builds and builds because the, the God is about increasing His government. Isaiah nine says there will be no end to the increase of His government. So God is looking for increase of His government on earth. And, and, and part of releasing that is agreeing with heaven, which, what's the main thing going on in heaven? Worship. And so when you make a choice, it's like, I'm going to agree with heaven. It releases heaven. And so make that choice, you know, even in your, as you go on through the week. And, uh, and there's times where you just don't feel like it. You, just, you don't have to have a lot of words to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's just... It's just uh, simple to enter in this may not be necessarily easy but that's where your your choice is powerful and uh I, there's so many things in the kingdom that you know the moving sidewalks at the airport you have to make a decision to get on that sidewalk and then when you step on it it carries you and god the kingdom of god is is very much like that you made a choice to receive jesus and that's that choice of stepping on that sidewalk. And then his grace did the rest. This is what saved you. When you uh, make a choice to forgive somebody, you may not feel like even forgiving them. But when you forgive them, you step on that sidewalk and God starts accomplishing forgiveness in your heart. When you choose to worship, you make a choice. It's like, Lord, I'm going to worship. I may, I may not even feel like it. But when you get in there, it's like the grace of God can carry you in your worship. And so uh, it's a... Uh, that's what faith is. It's just, I can't heal anybody. But I make a choice to pray for healing for somebody, and God does the rest. He heals them. But I just pray for them. <laughs> that's my choice. But God does the rest. And so that's how we're, it's just coming into agreement with God is all it is. Um, I want to talk about fasting in February, uh, starting February 1st, which is... Uh, eight days from now, the following Monday of next Sunday, <laughs> um, we're going to be fasting up, up to February 28th. So 28, 27 days. I can't do that math right now. So, uh, but I want to talk about a little bit about fasting while we're fasting. Um, one of my spiritual fathers, Steve Fish, he says, I, I don't know anybody who's too full of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes everything we need. It comes grace. There comes uh, power. It comes any boldness that we need, any peace and joy. I mean, those are the kingdom of God is, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be, so the main prayer thrust of all this is, we want to be full of the Holy Spirit. 
One of the things I'm praying for in my life uh, just consistently is wisdom. But if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'll be full of wisdom. It's just like the, it's wise at times to run around the room during worship because the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to men. It's wise sometimes to tell somebody pizza is your favorite food. You're like, how'd you know that? <laughs> Holy Spirit knows your favorite food, buddy. And so whatever it is. And, uh, and so this, the wisdom of God is to just simply obey the voice of God and it's to be full of the Spirit. So that's what we're, our focus will be. Fasting does nothing for God but everything for us. God doesn't need you to fast to convince him of anything. What fasting does is creates a new wineskin in you to receive new wine from God. So fasting, all it does is basically enlarges you to receive more of God. It gives you a new wineskin. And so uh, it's, and also it's just an intentional humbling of ourselves. We may not, again, this is a choice of kind of agreeing with heaven. How many, how many of you always just feel like the most humble person in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody raised their hands, of course. And so, uh, but fasting is a way that you can humble yourself and just forewarn any spouses or roommates or anything because there'll probably going to be some grumpy days if you're, if you're fasting from food. But you can, you can fast from, or if you're fasting from coffee, I know some of y'all put a coffee IV in your arms during the day. But uh, whatever it is, we're not mandating any type of fast. You can choose the fast how you want. It could be from social media. It can be from food. It can be a partial fast where you're skipping a meal, you know, one meal out of the day. There's many ways to do it. Daniel fast, uh, what, you know, just ways to uh, curtail your diet. And that thing's curtail, word of the day. So, um, so type, here's types of fast. Like I said, no, no food fast, partial fast, media fast, Daniel fast. If you uh, need more information about that, would me or Jesse or Jessica be happy to help you with that? You guys are Google it. They, Google probably knows more than we do. Um, but, uh, I was going to preach on putting the devil out of business, and we're going to do that anyways, but uh, you can uh, just cancel that out. But this morning, I just, I'm going to go on uh, just what I feel like the Lord is speaking this morning. I, want, I just want to talk about hope. This morning, I was, get, I was just getting ready for church, and I just felt like we need, hope needs, we need to talk about hope. And, uh, you know, hope is the joyful anticipation of good. And the Bible says that hope, uh, in Romans eight twenty four it says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he already sees? Question mark in the NASB. And so, like, it says, Who hopes for what he already sees? Faith is hope that is... If, but hope that is seen is not hope. So hope is believing that something good is going gonna, is gonna to happen. Hope is believing that God is actually sovereign and can make evil for good. 
And so uh, I want to turn to Zechariah chapter 9. So take your Bibles, turn to Zechariah chapter 9. So Zechariah chapter 9 is talking about God basically restoring Israel. Thank you, honey. I want to focus on verse, uh, let's start in verse 10. It says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, which is uh, northern Israel, and the horse from Jerusalem. And the bow of war will be cut off, and he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, O prisoners of hope. This very day I'm declaring that I will restore double to you. And so there's a, there's a place in the Lord where you can actually be, uh, Jessica was talking about bondage to sin, but there's actually where you can, a place in God where you can be a bond, in bondage to hope. How many of you want to be in bondage to hope? I can't get out of this hope cell. Everywhere I look, there's just hope all around me. Who wants to live there? What if everything you looked at in life was filled with hope? Everything was a super optimistic attitude towards it. Because the truth is, if there is um, anything in your life that is, does not have hope attached to it, it's under the influence of a lie. Anything in your life that does not have hope attached to it is under the influence of a lie. Maybe you have a bondage that you've been struggling with for years and you've come... If you've been discouraged by that, you're just like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to have to deal with this the rest of my life. Well, what does God say about that? Does he say you have to deal with, with that for the rest of your life? If, it, if it's sin or, or sickness or anything like that, I, I believe God wants to, he's got an answer for that. He's got a solution. He wants to see that you set free. And so... We don't, we're not meant to live in this place of bondage. We're here, we're here to be set free. And, it's, and obviously, we're, we're works in process. We're, we're going from glory to glory to glory until we die or Jesus comes back, and then the glory is perfected and fulfilled. So it's, there's many things. There's, there's some things that God, you've been set free immediately, and there's some things you have to fight for a little bit longer. You know, God set me free from porn and sexual sin overnight. But I was in bondage for it for, for uh, 17 years. But when I, and the way it started was, you know, God said, I'm not going to give you any freedom until you give me all of you. And so even two years after he said that, 
When I was in a dorm room at Valdosta State College, I, I surrendered my life to the Lord. There was, I, an angel didn't show up in my room. I actually didn't even feel the presence of God. But that, from that day, I was set free. Never looked at porn again. Never gotten sexual sin. And that was the summer of 2000. And so, some of you, you know, the area of your, you maybe have been immediately delivered in another area of your life and the, and the porn thing has been a struggle. And that's been a fight. And there's no shame in that. But for me, I had, my, my Goliath and, and, and giants that I have to battle is, is uh, I was the poster child for, for performance orientation. Now, what that means is like you, you try to earn people's love. And it means like, hey, Kimberly, did you see what I did for you? Do you like that? You like that? And if, you know, Kimberly's saying, good job, Travis, good job, then I'm good. But the moment somebody is just like either not saying, hey, good job, Pat, you're doing great, you're doing great. When that's taken away, I used to think, I used to work at a youth group in, in uh, Watkinsville. And if one of the parents didn't come up to me, he's like, you're just doing a great job with the children, with the kids, Travis, great job, great job. If they did, for, if I went like two weeks without somebody just giving me a really good attaboy and I, I would, it's like, God, am I doing something wrong? I would literally ask God that. Am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? And then when uh, the youth pastor brought in an intern for the summer who was, uh, at the time, I was the young college guy that was really cool and athletic. And then God brought in somebody, warmed me up. He was a backup quarterback at UGA. And he was getting to preach, and he was more athletic than me. And I was like, what in the world's going on? Where's nobody's, everybody was stroking this guy's back. Oh, man, you're doing such a great job. Hey, Travis. Hey, man, you are awesome. Hey, Travis, you uh, take out the trash. Brent, man, man, you are, man, we just love your preaching. Oh, you're there, Travis? Oh, okay, then that's, didn't see you. I'm saying, God, what have I done wrong? And so that's, that's been a process for me. But the thing is, you don't give up hope. You do not give up. You've probably heard it said, I heard uh, Misty Edwards say this in a, a prophetic song. She said, if you don't give up, you win. If you don't give up, you win. And so any, anything in your life that's not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. Um, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So it's contrasting sons of light and sons of darkness. Verse 4, it says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you all are sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. 
For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. What do you do when it's dark? You sleep. Darkness and a slumbering spirit and being numb to what God is doing and what is happening with the Holy Spirit and the way he's moving in the earth is a slumbering spirit. Okay? And so it says, be awake, be alert, be sons of light. My mama used to come in the, when I was sleeping when I was a teenager. She'd flip on the light. She'd say, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. <laughs> Shoes would be flying. We still wouldn't get up. Then my dad would come in there. He'd be like, get up, boy. We'd be like, yes, sir. Woo. All right. And so verse 8, it says, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So according to that verse, where is hope? Where does hope lie? In the mind. In the renewing of your mind. And so we've got to, we need to have the promises of God before us. We need to know what his promises are. If you don't know what his promises are, then you can't have hope for a situation. So we, gotta, we need to know what his promises are. So that we can have hope and renew our mind and catch ourselves. You're not going to be perfect in not always having hope for something. But the good news, you can catch yourself. And just as easily as you slipped out of that into hopelessness, you can slip back into being hopeful. It's just like that. It's just a step. You slip out of into hopelessness. Man, this, is never, this isn't going to work out. Wait, why am I thinking like that? No, God's got a plan. Woo! And so... The, the helmet of salvation, what saves you, what enables you, what brings you into alignment with the heart of God and with his thoughts is the renewing of your mind. And that's how you're transformed, right? Romans 12, 2. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you practice that over and over, it's like digging a ditch. You've, for many years, you, your brain, your carnal mind was in charge ever since the day you were born. We've, when you got kids, you know, it's like, oh, I want crackers. I want crackers. Car- carnal mind control right there. Give me, give me, no, they don't get Carnal mind on display. Just have some kids. And so your carnal mind, up until the day you received Jesus, was on the throne. The day you received Jesus, Holy Spirit showed up and said, I'm serving you your eviction notice. And the carnal mind was like, no, this, no, this is my throne. This is my throne. And the Holy Spirit's like, you, you got to get out. And so your carnal mind fight, tries to fight with the Spirit of God to have control. But you, you crucify your mind and you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in perfect unison with Jesus Christ and with the Father. It says, Holy Spirit, he only says the things he hears from the Father. And it says that his thoughts are the same as Jesus, the mind of Christ. They are perfectly in unison together. And so we, the renewing of our mind is so key and so crucial in staying in hope and just being able to catch yourself. You are ahead of the game. If you can catch yourself and be like, that's not filled with hope. That's not filled with hope. I need to take this back. What does the word of God say about this? What does the word of God say? No, it says that I've, I've got victory over this. It says he, he heals all my diseases. 
It says that he crowns me loving kindness and compassion. Father, you feel distant. I feel like I'm not forgiven, but that's not what your word says. Your word says that you cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. You hurl them into the depths of the sea, and you remember them no more. And we've got to get in line, get in touch, and and renew our minds so that we can be filled with hope. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. This is an apostolic prayer of Paul's. I would encourage you to, uh, if you type apostolic prayers of the Bible, a list of the apostolic prayers of Paul will pop up more than likely. And so these are great prayers to pray. I pray these over my kids. A lot of times at night, we're tucking our kids in. I'm tired. I can't think of like anything like real clever to pray over my children. I turn. I was like, "Well, I've got these apostolic prayers memorized, and these are really good, so I'm just pray these over." <laughs> so I'm just like, so I was like, "Father, just uh, give your son, Lydia and Zuri, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of you, open the eyes of their understanding." I pray that their love would abound more and more in real knowledge and discernment that they may know the hope of their calling and, you know, just all this. And it's, I'm praying over them and I don't have the, I don't, I'm tired. I got one eye closed, one eye open. So these are beneficial. So in verses, uh, Ephesians chapter one, starting in 17, it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Some translations say, I pray that your understanding would be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So God wants you to have understanding. He wants you to have wisdom and revelation so you can know what the hope that he has called you to. He's called you to have a good life. We get to live a good life. It doesn't mean there's not pain. It doesn't mean that there's not struggle, but it does mean it's good. Pain and struggle doesn't mean that life's not good. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. God is revealing to, you, to us right there. He says, I want you to know every single piece of your inheritance that you get to have right now before you have to be with Jesus in heaven or before he comes back. I want you to have every possible thing that you can have. If I had... If I wanted to give my, my child a car, and I was like, hey, here's the keys to the car. And they just sat there and was like, I wish I had some, a car I could drive. It's like, I've got keys to a new car right here. And they just, and they're like looking straight through you, just like, how am I going to get there? I'm stuck here. No, I've got keys to a car, honey. And you just are like, man stuck in this place but God's got keys he's got keys to get you from glory to glory and sometimes there's hell in the hallway from glory to glory God ain't scared of that he snatched the keys of hell away 
In Hebrews 2, it says that him who had the power of death, Jesus died on the cross, and basically it says it rendered the devil powerless who had the power of death. He does, and it, and it, that word uh, rendered powerless, you can actually translate that, put him out of business. Somebody say, Jesus put the devil out of business. And the only way he gets back in business is when you agree with him, when you believe his lies, and you sin because of belief of a lie. That's when you give him a foothold and an open doorway. That's how he got the open doorway to Adam and Eve. It's because they first believed a lie, and then they sinned. It's the same with us. That's why we renew our minds and we're transformed. It says that Jesus, there was no hook in him, 1 John chapter 5. It says there was no hook in him for the devil. Jesus didn't believe a lie about himself. He didn't believe a lie about his father. And so it said the devil would try, he'd try to put a hook in him and try to make him stumble. He just couldn't get a hook in him. It's like this guy's like Kevlar. It just, everything just falls off this guy. He tempted him in the wilderness, Jesus said, combated him with the promises of his father, renewed his mind. It's like, yeah, he could have turned a, a stone into bread. But he chose not to. And so we want to have that, that understanding of what of the, is the hope of our calling. All right, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Actually, Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Through whom we have also... We have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so it's saying hope is not absent of trials, challenges, and tribulations. It says hope is there because of those things. And so we have this hope that... Where's that? Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so the foundation of hope is knowing you're loved by God. Because when you, when you know that Father God loves you, that he's a good father, then you can believe, it's like, you know what? God wants the best for me out of this. My father can turn this bad situation into a good situation and actually use it for vengeance against the enemy. Isaiah 61 says that when the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and it says, this is the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And so God is declaring, this is, this is a, a year of favor. You're God's favorite because he, he gave up 
his only son for you to have relationship with him. If that doesn't tell you you're God's favorite, that he gave his only son for you, then nothing else will. But his fa- and so his favor has, has been declared over you. His favor rests upon Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased upon whom my favor rests. You're now crucified with Christ. So you're in Jesus. You're in that place of favor. You're in the place of being in the stronghold of God, hidden in the shadow of his wings. You just have to believe that. And so being the foundation, knowing that you're loved by the Father is what gives you hope. Because if you believe that he's a police officer in the sky waiting for you to mess up, there's not a whole lot of hope when you mess up. There's not a whole lot of hope for uh, when you do things wrong and you have the best of intentions. How many of you have tried your hardest to do something right and it just went bad? Raise your hand. It happened to me this weekend, me and Jessica, (laughs) where you just, nobody's trying to do anything wrong. It just ended up being a mess. And God understand, if I had, if I'm holding myself to this standard of I can't mess up and I can't be imperfect, I'm going to see God in that light. I'm going to see others in that light. Because when I, when I slip out of the love of God and I'm like, man, I got I to gotta do this, this, and that to kind of be in the, the good graces of God. Guess who else has to do this, this, and that to be in my good graces? Everybody around me especially my family, the primary people. And so if you find yourself snapping at people or just like not having grace, getting aggravated, you're probably seeing yourself that way. You need to be like, God, how does the way I see myself line up with you? And, uh, and you need just to, just to do a quick eval. And like I said, Slipping out of that place of love, you can slip right back into it because the, Jesus accomplished it all. You're not trying to earn your way back. You're not trying to just, well, all right, I got to make penance. You're not doing any of that. You just step back into it. And it's like, God, you forgive me. I'm right back in this place of being in the womb of love. All right. Now let's turn to... Uh, Romans 12. This is talking about community life. What does community life look like in the body of Christ? Starting in verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This not lagging behind in diligence means you have to be purposeful about being hopeful. And what I mean by that is just, you've got to, first of all, you've got to know the promises of God. So if you don't know his promises, then you just, you just need to read your Bible. And then from there, just being purposeful and like catching yourself, you're like, you know what, I, 
I'm not very, haven't had a very hopeful attitude about this. I'm just going to step back into hope and remember what God has said about this. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. So when we rejoice in hope, what if we, what if we talk like this? It's like, man, what do you think it's going to look like when God saves all of Athens? What do you think it's going to look like when the Holy Spirit comes at the awakening and we're all like, it's like Pentecost. What do you think it's going to, what do you think that's going to look like? What do you think you're going to be doing? What do you think is, what do you think is going to happen when, how do you imagine Jesus coming back? What do you think that looks like? You know, the Bible gives some clues, but it's like, how do you feel about Jesus coming back? That's, that's hope. We're like, we're looking at like, we want Jesus to come back. We want him to, we want, the, the, the earth is longing for a righteous king. Longing. Longing for a righteous king. For justice and righteousness to be executed in the nations. So it's like, what does that look like? What do you think it's going to look like when Jesus is sitting on the throne in Jerusalem? So we rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. This isn't rocket science, community life. You just simply serve people, hospitality, prayer, considering one another better than yourselves. You bless those who persecute you. You bless and do not curse. That takes the Holy Spirit. You got to die. So Jesus can live in you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That's good. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God because it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. What if we say, what does it look like to overcome evil with good in this city? And this burning coals what Paul was talking about back in Jesus's day, everybody had to have a fire to make bread, to keep warm, whatever it is they had to do. You had to have a fire. And so there was a guy in the village who was, who got up before everybody else and he made a fire and he would put hot coals in some kind of clay pot or something. I don't know how he protected his head, but he'd carry it on his head early in the morning and go from, from house to house and give people hot coals to start their fires. And so this guy that, that had hot coals on his head was a blessing to the entire village. It's not like, oh man, we're burning coals on his head. He's just going like to be burning with conviction, which may happen. But it says you reap burning coals in his head when you, when you bless them because it's... You're choosing to bless. You're not choosing to curse. 
and that blessing overtakes somebody. It's just like when Stephen chose, he was getting stoned, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Saul of Tarsus was in the crowd. His prayer released grace on Saul's life, I believe, to later have a Damascus Road experience and turn into Paul. So it's like Stephen was, you know, and indirectly the writer of most of the New Testament. Because he chose in that moment of, of persecution to bless his enemy. So let's, you got anything, babe? So let's stand up. Drake, you can come on up here, Drake. So this is, if you, if you don't remember anything I've said but one thing, I want you to remember this. If there's anything in your life not glistening with hope, it's under the influence of Allah. And so you take that thing that's, not, that's hopeless and you submit it to the God of all hope. To Jesus, as a Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And that, when you submit it to Jesus, there's a hope of glory that enters into that situation. It's like, man, this thing is going to be glorified. This thing is going to be turn out well because Jesus has it. I've given it to him. So right now, if there's, just want you to take a second as, and, Father, if, is, there, if, is there anything in my life that feels hopeless right now? Just ask the Lord that. Now just turn that thing over to Jesus. Just give it to him. He can make your mess into a pile of gems and diamonds. Just say, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Say, I rejoice in hope. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray just the mind of Christ over us all. I pray that you would help us catch ourselves, God, when we're slipping into hopelessness and help us just step back into that place of hope, the place of your promise, the place of your glory. Lord, we choose to rejoice in hope as a community, Father. We choose to rejoice in hope over this city. And we just say that you're good, Father. You are good. And you have shed your love abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just choose to put on the helmet of hope and renew our minds. We are renewing our minds, Father, and our lives are being transformed. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a, a ministry time.